Welcome to another episode of the Unveiling Grace podcast. My name is Lynn Wilder. And I'm Michael Wilder. I haven't changed my name yet, so I'm still not under disguise anymore. (laughs) And we have with us a special guest today. Her name is Gail Beasley. Gail is a um, fellow Floridian who was raised LDS. I don't want to um, ruin her story by telling you too much up front, but she chose the biblical Jesus at one point, and God's doing something kind of awesome in her life just recently. Gail, thank you for coming and telling your story. Well, thank you, Lynn and Mike. It is, it is an honor to be here. Um, I have followed you guys for quite some time. Uh, Lynn, I read your book, Unveiling Grace. It was wonderful, and it is just an honor and a privilege to be on this podcast with you. Well, maybe someday you'll write a book and uh, add to this growing literature of folks who have left performance-based religion and come to know the Jesus of the Bible. He's a pretty amazing guy (laughs) and very real, actually, much more real than the God I knew previously. So tell us a little bit about your upbringing first. Well, I was born uh, and raised in a Mormon family. Uh, My mom and dad were both Mormon. Uh, My dad was actually a Baptist when he married my mom. My mom was involved in the Mormon church. Her parents actually were Mormons. My mom was born in Salt Lake City, which as you know, is the hub of the Mormon church. And um, my, my dad was raised a Baptist, but after uh, a few years of being married with my mom, he converted to Mormonism. So when I was born, I was born into a Mormon family. Now I say that because my dad had three girls when he married my mom. His wife had, had passed away and he had three daughters. So when my mom married my dad, they were sort of instant family. Um, I have a younger brother and a younger sister that are, you know, me and my mom and my dad's, all three of us are both of their children. Um, that being said, I just, uh, my, my three older sisters, we, we don't, the word stepsister or a half sister is not in our vocabulary. Um, I'm just, just as absolutely close to them as I am my younger siblings. So just, um, that's real, real, it, it warms my heart because I, I love them so much. Um, my, all of us children converted to Mormonism, um, except for one, and I will talk about her here in just a little bit. I was actually baptized at eight years old. Uh, my mom and dad raising six kids. We weren't extremely wealthy. I remember my mom making my baptismal dress out of a out of a white pillowcase. <laughs> so um, you know that that's that is a tradition in the Mormon Church. They they do believe that you are to be baptized at age eight, which they believe is the age of accountability. Um, and so I was really involved in the church. I went to primary, which is the the elementary meetings that they have for the elementary kids. I went to the MIA, which is the uh, my amaze, which is a little older for you, older women, older girls. So I was really, really involved in the Mormon church growing up. Um, in Arizona, in Arizona, did you say? Uh, I was born in Utah. I was born in Utah and we moved to Arizona and then we moved to New Mexico. So I was raised mostly in New Mexico, uh-huh. but we moved around a lot. My dad worked for a government contractor. So we, we moved with his job quite a bit. Gotcha. You were active LDS. You had a uh, good experiences. 
I didn't know anything different. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't know anything different. Um, I had a, my, my sister's second to the oldest. My, uh, she was the one child I, I spoke of earlier that did not leave the Mormon church. She referred to herself as the black sheep of the family, um, the rebel, right? But it was her rebellion that led me out of the Mormon church. And that's how I found the truth. And what had happened was um, she was older when mom and dad got married. She was she was a preteen. And as time went on, years went up by. And uh, as I got older, she invited me to go to a uh, uh, revival at a Baptist church in a little town called Lalu's, New Mexico. Now, I was about 16 at the time. And uh, I remember we were sitting. I can tell you exactly where we were sitting in this little church. And I had been having some questions about what I was being taught in the Mormon church. I had some questions. Um, and so I went to this revival with her and we were sitting in the back and um, the pastor did an altar call, meaning he invited anybody up that wanted to accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And I felt the prompting, I felt the Holy Spirit prompting me to go. But I just sat there for a minute and my sister looked over at me and she said, well, you want to go up? And I said, sure, sure. So I got up, walked down, um, knelt, said the prayer of salvation. And I can't even explain to you how that felt. It felt like a hundred pounds was lifted off of me because the Mormon church is very legalistic and they, they expect you to do certain things in your life in order to go to heaven. Things that you must do, follow their um, married in the Mormon temple, baptism, you know, for the dead, all these things that they have. And there's all you to me, there was no way that I could ever be perfect enough to receive the glory of God's kingdom. There's just no way. And, and when I was saved, it was like, you don't have to be perfect. You have to believe in the blood of Jesus. You have to grab onto his prayer shawl. You've got to grab onto his, his, the hem of his garment. You've got to grab onto him, what he did for us on the cross. And that's your salvation. And when I, when I realized that, I, I couldn't stop crying. I would just start. I think I think I embarrassed my sister a little bit because I just could not. It was like this big weight was just, and it's like Jesus is real. He is so real. The, the Jesus of the of the Mormon Church. I found as I as I as I studied and I prayed and I got into the Word. The Jesus of the Mormon Church is not the same Jesus of the Bible. Okay, so I want to back up to something for a minute. If you want to go there now, because I know you'll probably go there later, you mentioned that you went forward and did a prayer of salvation. I think particularly for folks who are LDS who might be listening, they might not have any idea what that is. Do you want to talk about that now or do you want to wait? Actually, I think now is a perfect time. <laughs> no time like the present, right? Well, before you start that, I want to back up just for a second, okay? Uh, since we're kind of in this uh, situation. So I want to make sure everybody understands that the um, uh, your mother was an active member of the LDS Church um, at that point when she met your father. And he was so-called a Baptist, which is interesting because I was also a Baptist when I joined the LDS Church. And it seems like there's a, it seems to be, if I recall, Lynn, it's probably of all the denominations, probably the highest denomination percentage uh, of Baptists that joined the Mormon church than any other group. I haven't figured out why exactly, but need to do some research on that. So, so anyway, so they, they, he joined the LDS church. 
Um, and your father had three children before he met your mother. Is that correct? I just want to summarize this. And that um, uh, and then your your father and your mother had three other siblings. Okay. So a total of six children in the family. And did your oldest sister ever join the LDS church or was she the one that did not join the LDS church? I know obviously, you know, three of you joined and the, and two of the, your older sisters joined, I think, if I understand that's correctly, maybe I'm wrong. I just want to get that clear before we jump into the other part here. There were six of us. My oldest sister actually joined the Mormon church, was very involved in the Mormon church. And she passed away from cancer a few years back. Okay. Okay. And my second sister, she was the one who never, never uh, joined the Mormon church. And then all of the rest of us joined the Mormon church. Okay. 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 And one other fact here, again, make sure people understand, like, um, if you're a Christian listening to this, it's kind of a requirement, um, a, a protocol, proper uh, LDS protocol to get baptized when you're so-called eight years old. And, um, you know, I mean, some people get baptized when they're eight and a half, some people maybe even nine. But as a general rule, it's always around close to your birthday or even even on your birthday, if it can work out or very close to your birthday that you get baptized. And you had mentioned that's what we define as the age of accountability. So so for all parents out there uh, to know that your children cannot sin before they're uh, when they're eight years old or earlier. Is that correct, Lynn? Like. Our kids never did anything wrong when they were five or four or six or seven. They were perfect, right? Um, well, I, that's, I, 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 <laughs> that's LDS doctrine, yes. That So that's why it's important when you hit age eight, right, yeah. that you get baptized right away because then all of a sudden you're responsible for your sins and you're right, going to right. have to continually repent daily of every sin according to Mormon doctrine. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then every Sunday when you take sacrament, that's the time to remember your sins again and repent. So there's this constant, constant, constant repenting going on in uh, Mormon theology, whereas Christian theology is different. Uh, of course, it says in Romans that there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Once you grab on to the hem of Christ, like you said, right? You hold on to his prayer shawl. Then you're relying on his perfection and what he did on the cross. And um, it's not on your shoulders. So let's talk about this prayer. Let's get back to this prayer of faith. Um, there is no kind of special formula that where you have to do one, two, and three, or four, and then all of a sudden salvation comes to your home. But the scriptures are clear that there are kind of certain things that you're going to be aware of, right? There's going to be kind of a process in what you understand according to scripture, so that salvation might come to you, eternal life might come to you forever at one point in time. Did you want to talk about that, Dale? <laughs> yes, absolutely. Of course, of course. Uh, and you're absolutely right. Uh, salvation is, is uh, you know, according to the Bible, you can read it in John. You believe in your heart, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. You can do that at an altar call. You can do that sitting in your car. 
Um, you can do it sitting on your couch watching television. It, it doesn't matter when or where you do it. It's a matter of the heart and it's a matter of confessing with your mouth. Once you do that, Jesus comes into your heart, becomes real. And it's a very simple process. And if you'd like, I would like to lead people who are listening to this through the process. If they have ever at any time wanted to accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior, and they didn't quite know how to do it. Well, now's the time. Now's the time. No one's ever done that on the podcast. So you go right ahead. Well, thank you. Thank you. I'm going to read it because I don't want to mess it up. <laughs> Not that I guess you really couldn't mess it up, but this, this is what we call the soul winning scripts about the gospel soul winning script. This has been used around the world. Many people have come to the Lord Jesus through this. And so I want to just read it if that's okay. And then I will get to the prayer. And then if you want to accept Jesus into your heart, when I get to the prayer, I'll let you know. And then you just repeat the words after me. Okay. Okay, so the first question I'm going to ask, let me get my glasses so I can be sure I can read this. Has anyone ever told you that God loves you and that he has a wonderful plan for your life? If you were to die this very second, do you know for sure beyond a shadow of a doubt that you would go to heaven? Let me quickly share with you what the Holy Bible reads. It reads, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, and for the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The Bible also reads, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And you're a whosoever, right? Of course you are. <laughs> we all are. We all are. So I'm going to say a quick prayer for you. Lord Jesus, we just ask you to bless everybody with an earshot of this podcast and bless their families with a long and healthy life. Jesus, make yourself real to them and do a quick work in their heart. If you have not received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I pray you will do so now. So repeat after me. I want you to uh, receive the gift of God, the gift that God has for you. Say this after me with your heart and, and your lips out loud, okay? Dear Lord Jesus. I will model that for someone who's interested. Dear Lord Jesus. Come into my heart. Come into my heart, Lord. Forgive me of my sin. Please forgive me of my sin. Wash me and cleanse me. Wash me and cleanse me, Lord. Set me free. Set me free. Jesus, thank you that you died for me. Thank you, Jesus, that you died for me. I believe that you are risen from the dead and that you're coming back again for me. I do believe that you are risen from the dead and they, you are coming again, Lord. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Give me a passion for the lost. Fill me with the Holy Spirit, Lord, and give me a heart of passion for the lost. A hunger for the things of God and a holy boldness to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. A hunger for the things of God and a boldness to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm saved. I'm born again. I am saved. I am born again. 
I'm forgiven and I'm on my way to heaven because mm. I have Jesus in my heart. I am forgiven. I'm on my way to heaven and I have Jesus in my heart. That's all. That's all it takes. And as, as a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ, I tell you today, if you said that prayer and believed in your heart, all your sins are forgiven. And always remember to remember to run to God and not from God. Mm. And repent, according to the scripture, simply means what, Mike? To change direction. Yeah, it's it's a it's an interesting thing because when uh, John the Baptist was um, baptizing uh, people, he was asking them for repentance and what was happening at that point with the people, the Jewish people was always looking to the Sadducees and the Pharisees for, for direction. And obviously their direction wasn't always the best. You know, they were trying to fo follow the Old Testament law, but, but God, you know, said he would send a new law, you know, that we would come from the old law into the, the, the law of grace. And so when he, saw who Jesus was, you know, uh, you know, he acknowledged who Jesus was. And, and when he told people to repent, what he was saying to them was to change directions on where you're going in your life. Okay. To follow Jesus, not to follow these men. And that's the whole concept. Okay. Because, you know, we, we sin every day and, you know, we sin even after we're saved, we're going to make mistakes. And I want anybody out there that ever felt like they got saved. And then they said, I, I, I've fallen, you know, I'm outside of Jesus's grace. You never, you are never outside of his grace. You turn back to him and you follow him the best you can. And that's, that's, uh, that's the whole concept of changing your life, becoming born again in Christ and becoming born again in the spirit. Uh, and that's, that's the new direction we go. In fact, how many times in the scripture does Jesus leave the 99 to go after the one? The one who's done wrong, the one who's broken, the one who thinks they're not worthy, right? The whole point of Christ is to, to make us whole through his righteousness, not our own, because we are simply sinful man. So don't get the idea that there is a magic formula, but the scriptures are very clear that it is very simple. You simply turn to Jesus, but you have to have the right Jesus and you make him your Lord and your master. And when you do that, you need to know who he is and what he teaches and what he, how he would have you live your life. And the way that you find those things out are to go to the scriptures, to go to the Bible, and to read about who he is, what promises he gives you, what kind of blessings you have when you're saved and in Christ, and then um, what that means for your life going forward. So let's get back to your story, Gail. You did this at 16 as an LDS youth in the front <laughs> of a revival meeting. What happened after that? Well, it was very interesting. I wanted to get baptized. I, I just felt the urge to get baptized and I mentioned it to my sister and <laughs> she was kind of like, well, 
I don't think mom and dad's going to be real happy that I brought you to this revival because my mom and dad were still in the Mormon church. And, and so I didn't at that time. Um, I had, I was, I, I graduated at 16 and I had a, a full scholarship to BYU. So I actually ended up going to BYU for a year when I, when I, after I was saved. Um, but it was actually that year that um, I, I knew that I knew that I needed to leave the Mormon church. It was, it was, um, they, they had a requirement of Book of Mormon. Um, the Mormons believe the Book of Mormon to be the Word of God, but they don't believe the Bible. They believe the Bible to be the Word of God as long, they put a stipulation on it, as long as it's translated correctly, which to me, after I heard that, everything I read, I, I, I doubted in the Bible. Is, is this translated correctly or not? Is this, you know? And so when I went to BYU, I part of the curriculum to graduate, part of your uh, the courses you needed to take was Book of Mormon 101 and 102, but, but the Bible was not emphasized like the Book of Mormon was at all. And, and that bothered me a little bit. That, that bothered me a lot after receiving Jesus as my Lord. And Jesus is the word. Jesus is the Bible. That that bothered me. And there were other things, you know, as, as I proceeded that one year at BYU that um, I just I just felt a stirring in my spirit that this is this is not right. So I left <clears throat> after the first year I left. I went back to uh, my hometown and ended up uh, graduating from uh, New Mexico State University. So um, I think I think it was a blessing that I went to BYU for that one year um, because I, I, I probably learned more about Mormonism in that one year at BYU than I would have mm. <laughs> if I hadn't gone. Yeah. Um, but but I eventually did leave the Mormon Church. I did. I ended up getting married, and I uh, after I was married and I had my first son, I did send him a letter, and I had I had not been real active in between that time, but I finally uh, sent him a letter. And asked them to remove my my name from their membership rolls, and um, they did send some. Uh, they sent me a letter and uh, asked asked me to come to a court with the uh, elders and the leaders of the Mormon Church, and um, I disregarded that letter. They made one more attempt. Um, I understand now that. I need to follow up on that because my membership may still be with the Mormon Church, <laughs> but I did ask them to, and I will definitely do that. But I did ask them to go ahead and take my name off the membership roll. So, yeah, Mike was a high counselor, and so he was at many of those kind of church trials. Yes, yeah. Well, it's it's um uh well, I served in two bishoprics, and so the bishop could also uh, excommunicate um, any person that was not uh, an elder in the church. Um, uh, but but you know uh, a wife or a child or um, uh, you know somebody to that effect. So I was in many church meetings of that. But the to excommunicate a man. Uh, so so her bishop could have excommunicated her or removed her from the records. He would have authority to do that. Uh, for men though, if they had the Melchizedek priesthood or where they or they had the high priest also office, then it always had to be done by a state president. So anyway, uh, I'll turn the time back over to Lynn here. So if they had, Mike, if they had removed her name, would she have gotten official notice? She should the have high received. council had uh, chosen right, to do that. She should have right, received a notice that uh, her name's been removed and all the blessings that she had received, her baptism and whatever other blessings have been bestowed upon her. Uh, through the young men women's program, so would all have been removed. 
And so if she didn't get one of those, she may still still be probably my gut feeling is that she's still a member of the LDS church. <laughs> well, I will say this, you know, the the more the Mormon church has one unpardonable sin. <laughs> and and interestingly enough, it has nothing to do with Jesus, but it has to do with uh, turning away from the Mormon church and it's called apostasy. And um, if you believe in their theology, Lynn, Mike and I, we have all committed apostasy, but my faith is not in the Mormon church. My faith is in the Lord Jesus Christ. And um, Jesus is real, you know, and he's, he's, he's the final say. And uh, a lot of people that I'm sure come on this show uh, have family members and friends that are still in the Mormon church. And um, you guys don't get paid to do this. Nobody gets paid to do this. We're doing this only out of our love for the people in the Mormon church. Hmm. That is true, my dear. So did you get active in a Christian church at some point? I did. I did. After I left the Mormon church, I became a member of Christ Community Church in Alamogordo. And uh, I ended up actually going to Israel with them, which was one of the highlights of my life. Wow. And I uh, had a had an amazing pastor. And I and I got baptized in that in at Christ Community Church by Jack Brock, who's one of my favorite pastors. <laughs> That's really awesome. So then you and your husband so your husband was Christian as well. You went on and had children, raised them Christian. That's true. That is true. Yes, yes, yes. He's a Christian. Um, my all, none of my children have joined the Mormon Church, <laughs> and uh, they, they, they. I still have family in the Mormon Church. I have an older sister. She's three years older than me. Um, we were so close. We went to high school together. Shared a room together, um, and she's still in the Mormon Church, and I love her dearly. You know, so so um, yes, yes. I, I got remarried. Um, I ended up getting divorced, and and. Um, it's, it's kind of interesting that we're talking about being uh, things in our life, you know, and I don't believe that divorce is a sin, but I think that definitely none of us are perfect. And I think that that's the saving grace of God. I think that's that's what Mike was saying. You don't have to be perfect. Nobody's perfect. I can I can promise you there's people watching this. They're going to go, is that Gail? Because <laughs> of my, you know, wild and rowdy days, you know, but, uh, but, but you don't have to be perfect. We're all forgiven. Amen. That's a great place to tie it up for today. <laughs> we we all are crazy and uh, we all need Jesus. Amen. Amen. Grace and peace to you. We'll talk to Gail again. Until next time, Michael. May God bless to all. Thank you. <laughs>